Weekly Signals, every Tuesday morning from 8 to 9 a.m. Join me, Mike Casper, and Nathan Callahan for the best in reality-based radio. That's Weekly Signals. Check out the website at weeklysignals.com. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good evening. You're listening to KUCI at 88.9 FM in Irvine and online at KUCI.org. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity and From Victim to Victor, a step-by-step guide for ending the nightmare of identity theft. She sits as an advisor to the State of California Office of Privacy Protection, and she's a sheriff reserve here in Orange County. She's testified many times in Congress and California legislature on privacy and identity theft issues, and you may have seen her on TV on Dateline, 48 Hours, NBC, ABC, CNN, O'Reilly, Geraldo, Montel, a lot of other shows. And uh, she did her own 90-minute PBS special last year called Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash privacy piracy. Good evening, Mari. Good evening. Well, I am so thrilled tonight because we are welcoming back our very first guest who was on our show four years ago. He was the very first one, Bob Sullivan from MSNBC. But before I tell you more about him, I just want to thank all of our listeners for their wonderful loyalty to listening to Privacy Piracy. We want to thank you and also thank you for listening to KUCI Public Radio. This is our annual Fun Drive Week, and we pledge our commitment to bring you great public affairs show, just like the one you're going to listen to tonight with Bob Sullivan, the author of Gotcha Capitalism. And also we have wonderful, terrific indie music we play 24-7. So please pledge tonight your tax-deductible donations to continue Privacy Piracy and all the great shows. Call right now to 949-824-5824. That's 949-UCI-KUCI, and you'll even receive a pledge gift from us. So make your tax-deductible donation right now by calling 949-UCI-KUCI. That's 949-824-5824, and you'll get a DJ to take your donation, and you'll get a gift back. When you call, please remember to mention Privacy Piracy. Now let me tell you a little bit about our great guest, Bob Sullivan is a technology writer for MSNBC who has concentrated on technology crime and consumer fraud. He's the nation's leading journalist covering these issues, and his work has appeared on several MSNBC partner sites, including MSN.com, Wall Street Journal Interactive, and ZDNet.com. Bob also appears on air live on TV on MSNBC, CNBC, NBC Nightly News, The Today Show, and various local NBC affiliates. He is the winner of the prestigious 2002 Society of Professional Journalists Public Service Award for his great series of articles on online fraud. And he's spoken before trade and governmental groups, including the National Association of Attorney Generals. He lives in the beautiful state of Washington with his golden retriever, just like we have a golden retriever. His dog is Lucky and ours is Rado. And right now he is in Washington, D.C. as an investigative reporter, but we got him on his cell phone. And I just want to mention that he is also the author of your Evil Twin, Behind the Identity Theft Epidemic. He's also the author of this new book sitting right here with me that I just finished that I loved called Gotcha Capitalism, How Hidden Fees Rip You Off Every Day and What You Can Do About It. You can also see his blog at www.redtape.com msnbc.com you can read all the great information he has there make your own complaints and just see what he's got there and you can even download information about his audiobook as well as his soft cover book which i have right here 
So thank you so much, Bob, for joining us from Washington, D.C. Oh, you're very welcome. It's, it's nice to be back, and I can't believe it was four years ago. I know. It, and you were the very first guest, and I didn't know what I'm doing, and I still don't, but I'm a little better at it. So, <laughs> but, oh, Well, I, for one, know that you know what you're doing, Mari. Well, don't worry about that. I'm just lucky to have you on because I love this book. It got me so aggravated reading it. It was great writing. It was fun to read, but it just got me aggravated thinking about all the ways that we get ripped off. So let's talk about what prompted you to write Gotcha Capitalism and why don't you define what you mean by it? Well, I have this blog on MSNBC that I have had for several years called The Red Tape Chronicles, where I write about what I call 21st century headaches. And that might be about what identity theft, it might be fighting with your cable company over a $35 fee, uh, or it might be a problem with a mortgage company or a con artist who's trying to steal money from you uh, through, a, say, a foreclosure rescue or or one of those kinds of things, or even just a misleading mortgage. And I've been writing, uh, I've written hundreds of these tales, you know, individual stories of people fighting against the system in one way or, or another. Uh, but as I started to write these stories and, and hear from people, and I knew what resonated most with people, people just are so frustrated with their credit card companies and with their cell phone companies and with their pay television, either cable or satellite. Uh, you know, I started to put those together and realized there was a pattern. And a very disturbing pattern, I think, uh, for our economy. So it's, it's, it's not just isolated examples of frustration, but rather this is a new business model. The business model is not to make a product of value that you sell to people at a good price, but rather it's to trick people into falling for things so that you take extra money from them. You lure them with low prices, and then you layer on hidden fees after the fact. And the problem with that is not just that it hurts individual consumers, but if you think about it, when your company is based on really nothing uh, but, but fraud or at least exaggeration, uh, then ultimately people are going to figure that out and they're going to stop falling for your shell game. And your company, is, which is a house of cards, is going to fail. And a large part of the problems with our economy today, I believe, are the result of the fact that companies are not uh, doing their part to build and to create things of value and to, and to get fair prices for things, but rather they're just tricking people, and eventually those systems break down and you have the mess that we have now. You know, it's I think Madoff is the epitome of this, isn't he? You know, you, you believe, you trust a person or a company, and then you get ripped off, and you feel that it was such a deceptive way that they went about it, and that's what we're seeing Lots and lots of greed in this society, and that's why I think your book was so important because it shows us what's going on and what we can do about it. I really love the book, and I like the way you divided it because the way you divided it was real helpful in not only showing us what is the problem but how to resolve it. So why don't you explain the, the three d divisions in your book? Sure. Uh, well, the first part, I try to explain what I think gotcha capitalism is and, and why it, it is a, a serious threat to our economy and not just an annoyance. Uh, and then I go through uh, one sector at a time. I go through credit cards and cable TV and, and grocery shopping even, and I, I talk about how the gotchas manifest themselves in each of those areas. And then in the third section, I have solutions. So I have uh, specific letters you can write that you can copy or even download off my website I should never, my publisher hates when I say this, but you can get them <laughs> off my website for free. You don't have to buy the book. I hope you buy the book. Yeah, but you got to read the book, though. Uh, but wait a minute, Bob. You got to read the book to understand the whole meaning behind it and like the little tricks to do that you explain. And then you download the, the letters <laughs> to use them to implement that. Thank you. You're right. That's exactly <laughs> the, the right thing to do. But, well, um, I, I understand that because I have letters with my book, too. So I understand. We want yeah. to empower consumers. First, tell them what they need to know, then tell them how to do it, and then show them how to do it. Yeah, because, you know, the truth is I, I wish people didn't have to do this. It's annoying. Writing letters is annoying, uh, you, you know, especially when you get into the deal where you have to write several letters and send them return receipt and all that's a hassle. And, and I feel sometimes like I'm giving people homework that they don't want to do. Uh, but as, as you know, uh, the homework's really worth it. Uh, if you if you waste, say, waste in quotes, you know, an hour, a lunch hour on fighting with your cable company over, say, you know, HBO, you, you got it, but you didn't want it. You never asked for it. It's $12 a month. Well, maybe you lose an hour, but you've just made yourself $150 over the course of a year by getting that off your bill permanently. And I don't know too many people right now who can turn down $150 an hour jobs. So exactly. it really is worth the trouble, and you want to make it as simple and painless as you can. 
I know, but people feel so downtrodden when they have to look. It's not just one thing. It's it's their cell bill. It's their right. rental car bill. It's their airline ticket. It's, you know, it's their cable TV. It's just so cumulative that if you're yeah, constantly it's, writing, it's, it doesn't seem fair to me at all that we as consumers have to go through this. How did we get into this precarious position? You know, I ask myself that every day, honestly. I have theories. Uh, and and I think it has. There's been an ebb and flow, just like there, uh, there's a natural pendulum, if you will, to the consumer protection movement, uh, which probably reached its zenith in the in the mid 70s with the writer and other characters like that, uh, really fighting for people's rights and getting attention and getting a a powerful some powerful folks say at the Federal Trade Commission and, and some laws passed the act and whatnot. But what happened was during the 80s in particular, uh, you know, consumer protection got a really bad name and. And regulation in particular got a terrible name. In fact, uh, this has only changed. If you said to someone during a political campaign a couple of years ago, you were for more regulation, that was death. That was worse than saying you were a liberal, for heaven's sake. So uh, what happened was things like this. The Federal Trade Commission in 1979 had almost 2,000 full-time employees. Now, the Federal Trade Commission is the agency that's devoted to protecting consumers in America. 2,000 employees is not bad. Uh, you know, I... I that I actually don't know how many of them were lawyers. I would suspect only 20 or 30 percent. But at any rate, 2,000 is a big number. By last year, the Federal Trade Commission had only 1,000 full-time employees. That's half the amount. And in that time, the Federal Trade Commission had picked up a whole bunch of additional jobs. They're in charge of identity theft, for example. Right. They're in charge of privacy. They're in charge of spam. Uh, they're in charge of the do not call list. They're in charge of computer security. And, and by the way, our population is about 40% larger than it was in 1979. So the Federal Trade Commission's job description has exploded while its staff has shrunk almost by half. Now, you know, go to any big American city and take half the police officers off the street, what do you think would happen? Exactly. Crime would be rampant, and that's what's happened in the world of consumers. We're speaking with Bob Sullivan, who's a technology writer for MSNBC, who's concentrated wonderful articles that he's written and, and lots of re- investigative reporting on technology crime and consumer fraud. He is the author of Your Evil Twin, Behind the Identity Theft Epidemic, and his new book, which I absolutely love, sitting right here with me, is Gotcha Capitalism, How Hidden Fees Rip You Off Every Day and What You Can Do About It. And also, I want to just take this time for just a minute to thank all of our listeners and let you know that this is Pledge Week. Thank you for listening to KUCI. Thank you for listening to Privacy Piracy. Please pledge your tax-deductible donation right now, and a DJ will answer the phone. Go to 949-824-5824. That's 949-UCI-KUCI, and you'll get a pledge back. You'll get a pledge gift back from us. So make your tax-deductible donation right now. Call 949-UCI-KUCI at 824-5824, and we can bring you more guests like Bob Sullivan, who we're so lucky that we're still around that we could bring him back four years later. So, Bob, let's let's get back to uh, our gotcha capitalism. You shared some great stories about ripoffs for all the hidden fees and the deceptive practices and the bait and switch. Let's Let's talk about credit cards. Everyone is feeling that right now. Let's talk about what are some of the sneaky practices and games that credit card companies play. Well, the thing that's really on everyone's mind about credit cards right now is this uh, rather mysterious plague that's sweeping the nation where people's interest rates are uh, doubling or even tripling and their credit limits are being shrunk for for really no reason at all. Um, I talked to a fellow yesterday who has a card and he had a $24,000 credit limit on it and he had a balance of about $5,000, which is a perfectly reasonable use of that credit card. Uh, and he got a letter from his credit card company where his, his limit was reduced from 24000 to basically $5,100. In other words, only give him $100 worth of actual credit to have, right. which he exceeded immediately, you know, within a few hours when an automatic payment for his gym hit. And suddenly he was facing an over-limit credit card fee, which is crazy if you think about it. Um, but there's, there's even uh, more cost to that because if someone's uh, available credit on a credit card shrinks uh, that quickly, like his did. I mean, he was using only about 25% of his credit. Suddenly he was using 97% of it. Well, that's going to hurt his credit score a lot. Exactly. And, yeah. And he, was, he was in a position to try to uh, buy a car or a house in the next few weeks, it could severely cost him. And as we, uh, I think we are all painfully learning the, the contracts that credit card companies have with all of us, 
most of the time say they can change our rate or change our credit limit at any time for any reason, regardless of how well we're paying our bills or what our credit score is. Uh, that's a crazy kind of a contract, but that is, uh, that's the reality of dealing with a credit card company right now. Yeah, and, you know, I noticed that they changed, like, if you had 30 days to pay, suddenly you have 20 days to pay, and they don't even right. send you in a, in a separate letter. It's hidden somewhere. Or, you know, I was getting double miles with my Delta Sky Miles for, you know, for a really long time, so I was using it for my gasoline and for everything that got double miles, and then suddenly I wasn't getting double miles. And they didn't send a separate letter. It was hidden in, in a credit card bill. And I'm thinking, what, with yeah. Other ads or whatnot that you didn't. And, and, of course, you know, they know this. And, and you might suspect this, but I know that it's true. I can tell you a good story. These flyers are actually, in many cases, designed expressly so you will ignore them. There's this uh, rather famous case involving AT&T where the lawyers for the, the plaintiff uh, sued and, and under discovery found documents that showed that they had actually done market research that showed if you use this font or this kind of bolding, uh, what they put on the front of the notice was, you do not have to do anything. And, of course, if you get a mailer that says you don't have to do anything, the first thing you're going to do is throw it out. So exactly. they're designed yeah. that you don't notice them. And, and you know, so many times we also hear from people, and I know you, you talked about this with me before, is that, you know, you might be paying automatically your, your online payment. Let's say your mortgage is the same thing every month, so you pay it online. And then when you get your bill, you don't even bother to look at it because you figure, well, I'm paying it online. I'll just put it over there. And then you find out that something else changed that you didn't know about. I think you yeah. were telling, why don't you tell about what happened to you with your your own mortgage? Oh, my own mortgage. Uh, very recently, I, I escrow my property tax payments and my uh, my insurance so that I'm always on time, and I automatically pay the bill. And my, and my, my bank uh, adjusted my escrow up by $22, and uh, I missed it. And, you know, they did send me a letter, but I missed it. Uh, and, and I sent them the full mortgage payment the next month, and because I was missing $22, they hit me with an $82 late fee. And then, because my next payment didn't cover the, the late fee, I was hit with a second $82 late fee. So $164 of fees for a missing $22. And um, the, the real game here is when mortgage companies get a payment from you that doesn't cover uh, 100% to the penny of your payment for some reason, they, they don't credit you for any of the payment. It's all put into what's called a suspense account. It's an accounting trick, essentially. And then it can take months for that, that money to eventually catch up. Um, you know, I actually I understand that, that I uh, am involved in a very small mistake, but this is the fundamental of gotcha capitalism as I see it. Companies design things that, that they, I mean, they know when they make an adjustment that people are going to miss it, and then they gotcha. And then the punishment nowhere near fits the crime. Right. And, there, and there's no limit. You know, I mean, yeah, we, you said, you talk in your book, Gotcha Capitalism, about the ATM fees. And I have a daughter who's in college and she, you know, watches very carefully when she goes to the ATM to see what her available credit is. And unfortunately, your available credit isn't actually what is in there. So right. what happened to her was, you know, she goes in there and she's she's paying. She went to Starbucks or something and bought a coffee. And when they went over her, her available, I mean, she was within her available limit, but not with when, within what was the money in there. And she got it charged for a coffee, $80. For uh, an overdraft horrible. fee. Yeah. It's horrible, horrible. And, and it, it shouldn't be allowed, you know. Uh, again, I mean, I, I say this, uh, I mean, I make this point as, as often as I can that the punishment doesn't fit the crime because every time I do a column like this, you will read, and I, you know, I'm sure the line of thinking will be familiar to you. Well, your daughter should have known better, should have known what her account was, and I should have known that my escrow might go up. Uh, and, and while that, that is certainly true, uh, it, it's, it's outrageous that there's no limit to what no, the punishment is. Right, and I don't think it is really transparent, and especially college kids, you know. They yeah. aren't really advised carefully. They're supposed to read this font that's two points to see what their rules right. and regulations are with the bank. I mean, how in the world? So, I mean, when this happened to her, I have a premier banking with the same bank, and I called up and I said, what is this? Well, you know, because I got on the phone and I said I'm a good paying customer. Don't do this to my daughter. They reversed it. But how many people just go through this and get stuck with this all the time you know yeah, you can't yeah. expect consumers look if someone as savvy as you okay can have a problem or me can have a problem it can happen to anybody because this is our business and we still got ripped off 
So it, it truly right. isn't that's fair, right. you know? And, and the reason that, it, that this, uh, this situation exists more than any other is that you and I and your daughter, we have nowhere to go to if we feel like we've been treated unfairly. Uh, let me tell you another story, uh, kind of a similar thing. Uh, I canceled the cell phone I had with Sprint recently. Uh, and I was—I had already run my contract out. I was—I was on a month-to-month basis with them, and I got a new phone from another company. I called up and said I want to cancel it. It was the middle of the month, and they said that's great, but you still have to pay us till the end of the month. And I said, What do you mean? I—I I can't even use the phone for the next 15 days. Why should I have to pay you the extra 15 days? And they said, You know, because it's policy. Of course, that's the. That, I should write a book called Because It's Policy. <laughs> Right. That's the next and, you one. Know, I, I asked to talk to a manager, and, and the manager said it's policy. And so, uh, you know, I got all the documents, and I decided to, to do the right thing. As a consumer, I filed a complaint with the Federal Communications Commission. I went through the whole process there, and, uh, and I was put into what they call their informal complaint process. Well, you know what happened? After six weeks passed, uh, the FCC contacted Sprint on my behalf and forwarded my complaint to them. Sprint wrote a letter back to the FCC saying, we're right, Bob's wrong. And then the FCC sent me that letter, and they said, well, Sprint says that you're wrong, so case <gasps> closed. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you That's cannot it. count on these federal regulators. There is just something That's desperately it. wrong with the yeah. federal regulators that are, are backing these deceptive practices. It's, yeah, they're rubber stamps for the companies. If, if I wanted to appeal the decision, I had to pay it. $180 filing fee. And then you, you figure, know. what am I doing? How am I, I mean, all the many, all the time that you're <laughs> right. writing these right. letters, you could be writing more articles or writing more books and at least having a profit center for it, you know? Right, right. It's, no, it is. It's crazy. It's, yeah, and, and if, if companies know that no matter what they do, uh, they're going to get a rubber stamp from the government, of course, they're going to run wild, and that's how things are. Well, you know what I've learned in my old age, and this is why I love you so much, Bob, because you're bringing this to the forefront, the fact that you're such a fantastic writer, a great journalist. You know, you, you are the technology writer for MSNBC. You can bring this up to the forefront, make it transparent for so many millions of us consumers who, who can't do that. You know, one letter at a time isn't enough. That's why I love your Red Tape Chronicles, where you have redtape.msnbc.com, because the more that we get people together— and say we're mad as hell and we're not going to take it anymore, <laughs> and and get it out there, then they're going to have embarrassment. They're going to have egg on their face, and they're going to say, oh, well, we can't do this. You know, we can start saying, I don't want to, um, you know, use your product, or I don't want to go to your bank. The problem is, is that the big banks that are doing this are eating up all the little banks. Right, right. There's, there's a, a lack of, a decided lack of choice now for consumers. And so all the mechanisms that are supposed to be in place, you know, the free market mechanisms. If you don't like this, you know, then leave. Go to another company. Uh, that's not a realistic choice. I mean, if, even if there were real competition, you know what it takes to extract yourself from a bank right now? You have all these automatic payments going in and automatic deposit going in. And, oh, and, yeah. Uh, For my business, they're all in yeah. one bank. I've got like six accounts. Right. I have right. to tell so, you a funny story. I said I have a client who um, was a victim of identity theft, and it was really a terrible case, and it was really the fault of the bank, and I won't tell you what bank. But um, so I helped the clients to settle, and they got a very nice settlement, but one of the things that the bank said was, you can no longer do business with us anymore. Take your business somewhere else. And <laughs> and it was, and you know what? It, you know, at the time, it was a little aggravating after what they had done to my client, but they said, you know what? Part of the settlement is, is you get this money, and you move on your way, and you dismiss this, but you, you leave our bank. And they said, okay, you know, and it was a lot to change because they had a lot of business accounts there. So they did, and about six months later, I guess get a call from this client and they said that bank just took over my bank and and I said that I wasn't going to do <laughs> oh, it no. and I said wait a minute they can't do that to you this you know just because they took over another bank so I wrote to the general counsel of the bank who was a really nice person and we talked about it and I said this was not you know anticipated in our agreement but now that that bank has taken over his bank, we we cannot do it. So she, you know, she agreed, and we and we wrote a subsequent that that it did not mean that that he couldn't do business at that bank. I said, what if your bank takes over every bank? What you know, that's really <laughs> unconscionable. So, um, but it, I I learned enough now when I settle with banks to always say, even if your bank is taken over, you. <laughs> but that's another thing. People are getting blackballed. So so I have a friend who is very very wealthy, and they go to the 
best hotels and they went to this wonderful hotel in Los Angeles that I won't tell you the name. And um, she complained and they got aggravated and they said, you are blackballed. You're not allowed back here. And she can't go back there. And now she's on some list that her travel agency told her she's on a list for being blackballed because she complained. People who can't go to nice hotels, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I mean, we do have to stick together because if they tell one person you can't, you know, have, you can't use our product anymore, you can't use our business anymore, you know, they're getting together. They have these databases that show who's the complainers. So that's why we really need to stick together. And you have to be our fearless leader, Bob Sullivan, the technology writer for MSNBC, the author of Gotcha Capitalism, How Hidden Fees Rip Off Every Day, Rip You Off Every Day, and What You Can Do About It. You have to be our fearless leader, Bob. I'm counting on you. <laughs> well, I am doing my best. I, I completely agree with you that that its organization is the only thing that we have, uh, and and, you know, one of the, the facets of our time that I'm, I'm interested in, you know, the labor movement has really struggled in the 21st century. Uh, the labor movement has, has made you know, very few inroads in things like technology companies. Uh, and, and, and this is not about labor, the discussion we're having, but it is about, uh, you know, organizations. Uh, yeah, of, banding of together for rights. Yes. yes. Yeah. And the one uh, positive development that, that I really would urge your listeners to get involved in are these consumer-oriented websites where you can speak up and you can magnify your voice by finding other people. I have one that we've just launched. Uh, it's a, a little bit of an experiment at the moment, but we're going to push forward with it. It's called the Red Tape Raiders. It's a little bit of a tip of the cap to Ralph Nader's Raiders. Okay, so and Raiders, you're talking about R-A-I-D-E-R-S? That's right. It's easy to find from my from my Red Tape blog. Okay, if you go to... And, if you go to redtape.msnbc.com, it'll link there? Right. Yeah, okay. right. it's very very prominent at the top. And there, and there you can sign up and become a, a permanent member of this group where, where these problems are discussed. And uh, and sometimes I even send people there to, to throw their problems out to the group, and the group will, will try to help people solve them and, and, and suggest, oh, here's a letter that I wrote that worked, or, or here's a phone number for someone that I called. And and I'm trying to reach critical mass because once you have a, enough of a group of people, you know, there will be people with skills in there who can help each other. But I'm not the only one. There's a, a great website named consumerist.com, which has news and, and allows people to, to uh, contribute items and, and, and look, find each other, find other people who have similar uh, problems. There's a, I like Yelp.com is a good place to, to vocalize your complaints. Um, Consumers and, Union also has Consumers Union. Consumers, yeah, well, Consumers Union actually just very recently bought Consumerist. Oh, okay. So they're now together. That, that's a, that's very recent, uh, which I'm glad for because I think Consumerist is a great site. Uh, and and these, you know, when something bad happens to you, I, I think it should be everyone's first impulse now to go on Google and and explain, you know, and search for other people who've had similar flaws. I mean, of course, all the way up the line until if you find a class action attorney who might be interested in taking you on, if there's you know, if there's one person who's lost $30, no lawyer cares about that. But if there's 100,000 people who've lost $30, you sure do get lawyers' attention. So so you find each other and complain as a group, and you'll have a lot more success. Right. I know, and you talk about that in, in your book. And one of the things that I've learned, really, is I think the media is so immediate, whereas a, a lawsuit, which I think can be good, unfortunately, the the, the federal the federal laws have really limited a lot of the lawsuits that we would have liked to have. So yeah. I think what's really helpful is like what you're talking about, banding together, reading Bob's book, uh, Gotcha Capitalism, and it's learning about this and then banding together, getting it out in the open, getting it into the newspaper, getting it on TV, getting it on the radio. That's why I'm so happy to have you on this show, because it's so important that people realize they are not the only ones suffering with this. You know, one of the, I wanted to get back to the issue of um, the credit uh, debit card because you talked a little bit about it, and that is one of my huge pet peeves. And, you know, Bob, the reason that banks even started a debit card was really a deceptive practice to begin with because people think when they get this debit card, it's the ATM, but it has a, a Visa MasterCard logo on it, they think when they get that that they are covered by the same federal law that protects them yeah. with their uh, with their uh, credit cards, which is the Fair Credit Billing Act, and that's not true. So if there's any fraud, for example, on your credit report, on your uh, debit card, 
the money is siphoned out of your account before you can even think about it. Whereas if there's fraud on your credit card, you obviously have a whole month to two months to even bring it up and complain about it and dispute it as fraud. Yeah, and you're in such a better position when you still have your money, right? As opposed to being out your money and having to make a case to, to get it back. That's that I, I'm a, I'm a, uh, that, that's an infuriating problem. There's been so much confusion marketing around what debit cards are. And, you know, and every time you're at a store and someone says credit or debit, they're lying to you, right? Because there's no such thing as a credit transaction with a debit card. Right. It's still, it's still a debit transaction. All, it's all been incredibly, incredibly misleading. And there's the additional element now, which has come, come to light, I think, over the last 6 to 12 months, that, you know, debit cards really are dangerous because you can overspend your account like your daughter did. And, yes. And it's easy to run up four or five overdrafts in a weekend and have a $200 bill. And, you know, uh, people who were personal finance advisors used to tell folks who were living on the edge, you know, use a debit card, not a credit card, because that way you won't be tempted to get into debt. Well, banks have ended that <laughs> because now you still can't overspend with your debit card, and the punishment is much worse. So, Oddly enough, I now tell people they should be using a credit card instead of a debit card. Yeah, and get Even rid of the debit card because, you know, you're... Get rid of you're it, yeah, de- yeah, yeah. because, you know, and I want to say this because I tell all my clients this and I say this on the radio is that ask your bank to cancel your debit card and issue you an ATM card without the Visa MasterCard logo because your debit card can be used without a PIN on the Internet. Right. And on the phone. So that it's very easy to commit fraud with debit cards. That's one of the top bank frauds, according to the Federal Trade Commission. So, yeah, you, you said it in your book, and I'm saying it now. Debit cards are bad news. So let's go on and, and talk a little bit about the cell phones, because you really had some great things about the cell phones. Um, tell us about cell phone jail. <laughs> Well, if you think about the way a market is supposed to operate, a uh, free market, again, you know, you buy a product. If you don't like it, you you give it up and you go somewhere else. Uh, it's, you know, companies like big cell phone companies, they hate the idea of a free market. Uh, they always talk out of both sides of their mouths, right? Because, uh, you know, they'll they'll say, you know, regulators, leave us alone. We want a free market. They don't want a free market. They want everybody, all of their customers to be in jail. So they force you now... Uh, and this changed maybe three or four years ago, they force you to sign a two-year contract or otherwise pay an enormous economic penalty at the point of sale. So you're in a two-year contract, which they darn well know means you're just never leaving. And then they can treat you like dirt, we'll say. Um, once they have you as a customer, uh, if, the, if your phone doesn't work, it doesn't matter. You can't get out of the contract. If you're uh, if you know the the you can't afford it anymore, it doesn't matter. You can't get out of the contract, and you know as a result, they don't have to 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 take care of customers at all. It's a terrible system, and it's one of the reasons why, if you ever travel in Europe, you'll be stunned that everyone's phones just work. Yeah. Here in here in the U.S., we you know like I've spent plenty of my life standing on one foot with my hand in the air, leaning out a window, trying to call someone on my cell phone. Exactly. And the way you have to travel all the time for your investigative reporting, it's got to be crazy. Yeah, yeah. Very, uh, you know, very frustrating. I, I don't I think I have to make much of a case to to, to people for that. Everyone has their, their cell phone frustration story. But I would say this is a classic example of the problem of gotcha capitalism. When you don't have companies face real competition, then they don't develop very good products. And the end result is what we have. You know, one of the things you said that I didn't really know about, and I think people don't know about, and this was amazing, and, you're, and you got to explain it to me now. In your book, you talk about that, um, you know how when you go and you want to get a new phone, and you want to get, let's say you want to get the iPhone, but you have, you have T-Mobile. Most people don't know, which you, I didn't know until I, I read your book, that I could actually use a different phone outside of the T-Mobile system, which I have T-Mobile, and and how do I do that? They they can't tell me no. I can't use another phone, right? Why don't you explain that? Yeah, this is the unlocking thing. Yeah. So most most phones that we buy here in the U.S. as opposed to Europe are locked by software so that they can only be used with the carrier that sold you the phone. Uh, but uh, there were uh, there was a uh, several uh, long legal cases that where this was fought out, uh, and and eventually consumers won. And now do have the right to, to buy software. It's pretty inexpensive online. 
Uh, and so you can unlock your phone. So you can take a phone you bought for, uh, depending on if the systems are compatible, you can take a, a Verizon phone and use it with another service, for example. Uh, this is uh, not such a big deal when you have little handset phones that cost $50. But if you have these smartphones that now people are paying four and $500 for in some cases, yeah. Uh, you know, and if, if for whatever reason you, you want to leave your service, I mean, who cares about the $200 uh, termination fee? If, if, you, if you're $500 into a phone, boy, you sure can't leave that service at all. Exactly. So, uh, you, you can go online, and, and it, it's actually not as technical a problem as it seems to unlock your phone and use it with another service, uh, which, again, you know, is a great idea if you've uh, already run through your contract and now you're a you know, cell phone free agent, as I like to say. Just take your phone to another company. Yeah, but I feel like I'm in cell phone jail. My husband got a new phone with T-Mobile, and I need a new phone. But if I go there now, they're going to probably charge me full full price because we're on the, he had to already extend the contract, and I don't want to extend it more than the two years that he did. So you're right. right. I'm like, here I am, cell phone jail. I mean, that was I thought that was so perfect when you said that in your book. <laughs> well, you know, and again, my concern with this is, you know, that's annoying for you. But what does it do to our economy? You know, our system is built. Uh, we're supposed to be rewarding the best companies with the best products and the best prices and the most innovation. Uh, you know, and instead, you know, we're rewarding companies that trick you into signing up for long-term contracts. We're speaking with Bob Sullivan, who was absolutely wonderful. He was our very first guest four years ago on our show, and that's when he had just written The Evil Twin, Behind the Identity Theft Epidemic. And now we're having him back because he just finished, and he has his wonderful new book, Gotcha Capitalism, which is what we're talking about. And it's called Gotcha Capitalism, How Hidden Fees Rip You Off Every Day and What You Can Do About It. And Bob Sullivan is an MSNBC technology writer. He's a great writer. It's so fun to read the book. Of course, he gets me very aggravated, but um, at the same time, I know I have to read it because it's really important stuff. And I want to also thank all of our listeners for joining us every week at KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I want to tell you this is our annual fund drive, and we pledge our commitment to you to bring Great public affairs shows, just like Bob Sullivan. He's the best. And also terrific music. We're on 24-7. So please pledge your tax-deductible deductible donation to continue Privacy Piracy and all the great public radio shows. Call now, and a DJ will answer the phone and take your pledge, and you'll get a, a pledge gift. That's 949-824-5824. That's 949-UCI-KUCI. And don't forget, you'll get your gift and mention that you're pledging for privacy piracy. Let's let's kind of switch gears a little bit. I when you were talking about Aunt Ethel, talking about landline phones. I know a lot of people don't even have landline phones anymore. But this poor Aunt Ethel, she lived in New York uh, City apartment and had the same telephone since 1980. Why don't you tell what happened to her? Well, you know, everyone thinks phone services have become so much less expensive, right? Because of uh, deregulation, the break of AT and T, and all this competition we have. We didn't used to have. Well, <laughs> Aunt Ethel, who's a perfect example, she's not my aunt, by the way. She's the aunt of a fellow whose name is Bruce Kushnick, who runs an institute that studies phone prices. Her cell phone bill since the mid 1980s is up 426 <sighs> percent. And if you look at the, you know, the front page of a phone bill looks a little bit like the schematic for a nuclear power plant, right? Hmm. Uh, on, uh, on there are things like inside wire maintenance fee. So that's what they tell you to pay if your wires break and they have to come in and fix your phone. Now, I myself have never met anyone whose telephone wires broke and had to use this insurance. <laughs> right. But it was it was something like 70 cents in the 1980s, $3.45 now. Hmm. So, you know, it's up over 300%. And again and again, there's all sorts of items like that. And, and, it, and with phone bills, because they're so complicated, how you figure out what tax applies to what part of the phone bill is a whole other matter. There's state sales tax, there's excise tax, there's the schools and libraries tax, the, the, the universal service fund tax, and they only apply to certain parts of the bill, and there's just no way for the average person to double-check the math. And everyone who's ever studied the problem of phone bills has shown that uh, enormous percentages, 20-25% of phone bills, contain errors of one kind or another. But since you can't even figure out how to double-check the work, you can't find the errors. And it takes a lot of work. i got to tell you a story that happened with us with AT&T. I have an 800 number, right, that we, we have victims that call in for free. And um, they were really charging me very high, so I changed. I, I actually 
changed a service within AT&T and I closed the other account and opened up the new account. Well, we didn't realize it because we were getting this bill that didn't have the phone number on it, but we knew it was an 800 number and they were double charging us for eight months. They charged me an extra $850. Well, I finally, we figured it out. I thought, what is this bill? I don't get it. Why are we getting this bill and this bill? So I had to sit down and I wrote like a five page letter and I had all sorts of attachments and I got my money back, but it took me a couple months to do it. And you know what? I mean, for the money that I spent, it would, it took me away from my clients. It's so crazy. But of course I had great records and not everybody keeps great records. And, and, you know, you're a professional. Um, if, if those were billable hours, Laura, just out of curiosity, how I don't much, even want to tell you. It, cost you, you know? <laughs> it cost me a lot of money. <laughs> it cost me a lot of money. Almost a week. <laughs> a week God. of, uh, yeah, yeah. It was, it, this is the thing that gets me so mad, why I love your book, because you're trying to empower consumers. That's what I try and do with our radio show, with my books. We want to empower them. That's, uh, that's our belief, is that we empower consumers so they can be savvy consumers, so that they are not getting ripped off. There's no deceptive practices. Everything's transparent. But, you know, we're, we're like voices in the wind. I'm, I'm hoping that the new administration with the new uh, they have a new commissioner at the Federal Trade Commission. It sounds like he's going to be doing something different. What do you think about that? Well, I, actually, part of the reason I'm here is yesterday, uh, you probably saw in the news, there was a press conference about uh, mortgage rescue fraud. Uh, and John Leibowitz, the new uh, head of the FTC, was there speaking along with uh, Timothy Geithner and uh, the folks at Treasury and, and, and the Attorney General um, and oh, I did hear something that 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 gave me uh, a, a little bit of optimism. I have been complaining for as long as I can remember about uh, advertisements on both radio and TV, uh, and probably even on websites too, uh, that are just obviously deceptive. And anyone who took a look at them would know. And and for years during the whole housing boom, for example, how many ads did you see that said something like "borrow five hundred thousand dollars for eight hundred dollars a month"? And obviously that math doesn't work out. That's based on, on you know, what would be a teaser rate mortgage, and none of that is explained. And, and those ads just shouldn't be allowed. And, and we do have uh, false advertising laws, the federal and state laws, that, that just obviously have not been enforced. Well, yesterday at this press conference, uh, uh, Commissioner Leibowitz announced that 20 letters had been sent out to uh, various companies that are offering federal loan mod- well loan modification services but all seem to be deceptive or, or uh, un- unfairly use some of the, you know, the, uh, the president's uh, foreclosure rescue plan, for example, or, or try to uh, make it sound as if they're part of the federal government when they're not. And in addition to filing a couple of lawsuits, they, they sent a shot across the bow at these companies that are misbehaving and said, hey, if you don't stop it, you're next. And, you know, this is the first sort of proactive uh, take down that bad advertisement notice that I've heard about the Federal Trade Commission doing in quite some time. And I, I take this as a real positive sign. One of the, I always poke uh, the FTC over over this incident. Uh, I mentioned uh, a moment ago those ads that you saw for years and years for low-cost mortgages. They did send out a warning letter in the middle of 2007 to media companies and banks to stop with these deceptive mortgage ads. Well, in 2007, it was too late. It's been going on for years, so I don't know where they were during the whole housing bubble uh, years. But at any rate, as this to me is what the uh, the FTC should be doing. They should be putting companies on notice that if they they deceive consumers and if they uh, they engage in false advertising, you know somebody's watching. And I think that's really you know that wouldn't solve all the problems. I think it would solve a huge number of them just to put the fear of God into these companies so that they know, uh, you know, they're putting a lot at risk and somebody actually might coming after them if they cheat people. And and that's what we need. So I was encouraged to hear that. Uh, you know, I, I need to see a lot more. I've, I've heard a lot of promises from the current administration. I agree with a lot of uh, the, the position papers they put out on things like credit cards and, and loans. Um, but, you know, actions are, actions will speak louder than words when it comes to those things. Right. I have to tell you something funny. I was uh, 
uh, somehow in the middle of the night last night, I was on, on YouTube looking on privacy issues. And you know how they have that free creditreport.com and those stupid commercials where the guys are singing <laughs> and they're wearing these media, medieval costumes? Right. Well, right. you know, freecreditreport.com, for those of you who are listening, I know you know this, Bob, it really isn't free. They they get you to come. That is not the the uh, annual creditreport.com that you get for free that was set up by the Federal Trade Commission and the uh, Fair and Accurate Credit Transactions Act. That is not... Not that the one that freecreditreport.com is the credit bureaus making money. And there was a lawsuit that that was a deceptive practice. But under the old administration, nothing really happened with that. So I saw last night in the middle of the night, the Federal Trade Commission has made up this spoof of those commercials. And they go, this is not free credit. They they don't say free credit report. They go, this is annual credit report dot (laughs) com. something and they go this is not the other one this is the real right, one right. and it is did you see that yeah the ads are very funny uh, oh, and yeah. they're, they're right on the front of ftc.gov if your listeners want to go have a look at them i uh i have to uh, they're very funny and but they should have i mean they really should have stopped them from doing it but but you're well, right they are hysterical this, this is what um the ads are, are, are funny but i wrote uh, about a month ago when these ads came out that i find it uh, uh i find it outrageous that uh, I mean, the, the educational component of the FTC, God bless them, they're trying to teach people things, and that's great. But this is the agency that's trying to protect us, and it's been reduced to satire to try to stop a company from cheating consumers. I find that horrible. They should have I, fined I, them. That's right. <laughs> they should yeah, have had a, a lawsuit. Yeah. You know? Exactly. They, I mean, they have the power to have a lawsuit to take and, and sue a company for a deceptive practice. And, and, and that they're trading jokes. You know, I, right. I, well, I you know, know what? They yeah. lost on that one. There was a there was a consent decree on that. But I don't know why they still allowed them to, to say freecreditreport.com when, in fact, it really isn't entirely free because you have to pay for the service and, and for the score and all that other stuff. But, yeah, that's the first time I saw that. But it, it is pretty funny. But it is. Yeah, You're right. Yeah. It's disgusting. We're speaking with Bob Sullivan, who is the author of Gotcha Capitalism. He is the technology writer for MSNBC. He's, con- he's been concentrating for years on technology, crime, and consumer fraud, and he's also the author of Behind uh, Your Evil Twin, Behind the Identity Theft um, Epidemic, and he's terrific, and we're talking here about the issues in his new book. Bob, so, you know, in, in our information age, everybody needs to have access to the Internet, especially if you're up in the middle of the night and you're looking at YouTube like I was last night. So how are consumers being deceived with regard to the Internet access, and, and what can they do? Uh, well, uh, we did this study where, with uh, the Poneman Institute where we, we tried to unearth exactly how much money people are losing in hidden fees every year, and it worked out to the average consumer loses about $1,000 in hidden fees. The good news about Internet access is of, of the 10 categories we studied, Internet access ha- was the least deceptive in terms of money. I think most people know what they're paying for Internet, internet access, and that's good. Uh, but where the hidden fee comes in is a lot of people aren't getting the bandwidth they think they are. So you get an ad, they'll say, 3 megabyte download or whatnot, and you'll happily go along your way. Well, you might be getting half that as an actual speed. So I think it's really important for anyone who uses the Internet to, to regularly test their connection speed to see if they're really getting what they're paying for. There are some very easy tests online to use. They're kind of fun to use as well. Uh, speakeasy.net is my favorite. Right on the lower right-hand corner of their page there, they've got a thing that looks like a speedometer from a car. And you just click on there, and it'll tell you what speed you're getting for both uploads and downloads. And if you're not getting the speed you're paying for, you should complain and do something about it. Well, you know, that's another thing I love about your book. You have a lot of great resources to look at to, to get some help besides the, the great help and the suggestions that you have in here and the sample letters. You also have a lot of great resources that I've already been looking at, so we appreciate that too. Also, you talked in your book about when we're traveling for business or pleasure, we get ripped off again. Here we are, you know, we have to deal with this every day besides our own business and supporting our families, dealing with issues, and then we want to go on a vacation. And then we get ripped off again. Tell us about that. Oh, gosh. Vacations are, are uh, it's a shame because you're right. You want to be able to turn off your confrontational side, right, and just relax by the beach. But uh, when you're on vacation is when you're probably most vulnerable because you, you don't know where you are. You, again, you might have your defenses down. Uh, and things, in the, unfortunately, in the, the vacation realm are getting much, much worse. I just read a story this week about rental car fees and the kind of things that are going on with rental cars. Um, uh, 
there are some average rental car bills that turn out to be a full 70% more than the price you agree. By the time the fees are added in for things like concession recovery or stadium fees, I mean, there's cities all around the country that are using fees on rental cars in particular to build new sports stadiums for professional teams. Yeah. Uh, and, okay. and, and, you know, there's, there's a tire and oil recovery fee, which, <laughs> it, it, you know, you can rent the car, but the tires are extra. <laughs> Yeah, you just leave the tires. I'll just take the car. <laughs> right, right. I'll, I'll bring my own. Here I am, sit on the plane with my Goodyears. Roll. I mean, you know, it's terrible. And, and you know, this whole concept of of dividing out prices like this is, you know, I mean, that's just that's just what to me what has to end. I mean, there should be a price tag on things, and that's the price you pay. It's the only way for consumers to be able to intelligently shop. Because, again, what what really uh, bothers me about this whole gotcha system is that if you're trying to compare two rental car companies and all you're getting is the base price and you don't have the full out the door what the fees are really going to cost you price, then you're going to go with the wrong company. And again, capitalism is thwarted. Free markets thwarted. Uh, and, and you know, I, I call this in the book the death of the price tag, which has quite literally happened if you go grocery shopping in most states of America. Or appliance shopping, the same thing. Or appliance shopping. Anything. You have no idea what things cost. And if you, if you can't tell what things cost, you can't intelligently shop. And, and that's uh, precisely what happens when you do something like order a rental car. Or a lot of hotels now have this thing they call a resort fee, which can be, you know, 10 or $20 extra a night. Uh, which can make a huge difference. Uh, you know, obviously, $20 more a night may have had you pick another hotel. And so all this price distorting that goes on is very, very bad for bad for the consumer, and it's very bad for the country. You know, if you're going to make um, even a phone reservation, always ask for everything in writing in an email, or if you go online and you make an online reservation for rental cars. I do that all the time, and I take that with me because let me tell you, if people say, oh, you don't need it, you know, here's your your reservation number. Don't trust it. Take it with you. I can't tell you how many times I get to a place and I fight for the first 40 minutes when I get there Mm -hmm. because, Mm -hmm. because I'm promised one car and they say, oh, we don't have it. You know, <laughs> and I go, well, then yeah. upgrade me. You know, if you don't have right. it, and, oh, right. no, well, you'll have to pay extra. Oh, no, here is my agreement. Here is what they've told me. This is what it is. Here is my coupon, you know, and so you've got to take it with you. Always have everything in writing. That's the lawyer in me. I always go. I have a million <laughs> things. All Everything's in writing, but always. Right. And, and you say this in your book, too, which is important. Always send any complaint letter, return receipt requested. Bob, when you said that in your book, Gotcha Capitalism, I was so glad because I have to tell you, I have helped victims with their identity theft problems where they have luckily used my letters and I say in my book, send everything return receipt requested and keep the return receipts and scan it into your computer. I have this one poor guy that had these horrible problems with identity theft and the good news is is that he wrote everything return receipt requested he scanned in all the return receipts that he received okay and then we talked to the companies and they said oh we never received it so i was so thrilled to be able to just say what's your email address i'm going to email you the return (laughs) receipt that he has from the u.s postal service (laughs) you know so you know you're absolutely right in your book everything must be in writing and Boy, when you do have that rental car reservation or you do have that hotel reservation or anything like that, always bring it with you and be ready to to fight before you go on that vacation, unfortunately. <laughs> Listen to us. Isn't that horrible? Go on vacation, but be ready to fight. <laughs> but it's true. It's, it's what you have to do right now. Well, let's say it this way, not fight. Because what I try and do is, you know, like my mother used to say, you get more with honey than you do with vinegar. So yeah, I always start yeah. out and say, but this is what I have written down here. And then they say, well, we can't do it. But but you need to look at this. you know. Right. right. And then, yeah, of course... No, it's true, and I have in the book. I also have these sample telephone scripts for people who, when they call up uh, customer service. Uh, you know, and, and yelling and screaming just doesn't get you anywhere. In fact, I, I do also have a section in the book where I talk to customer service people and ask them what uh, you know how, how how to get satisfaction. And you know, rarely is intimidation effective, especially over the phone, because someone can just hang up with you. And they're so, and you know, know they're consumers too, and they aren't at fault. That's the problem. I usually say, look, I know this isn't you. I know it's the company. Right. I know it's not right. your fault, and I know you probably go through this too. You know, and you try to build a relationship, which is important. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you, you know, want to get that person on your side somehow to whatever degree you can. In fact, I uh, 
I, I will often say to people, I'll try to personalize it. I'll say, you know, what, what do you think about this? Right. You know, would you want to pay this fee? Would you want to go through <laughs> this? And, and, you know, sometimes it at least breaks that, you know, one of the things that's just so frustrating when you get, you know, someone who's in that automatic vein, it's customer policies or, you know, you want to try to break them out of that. And, and, and the other thing that uh, I, I make a point of in the book is, you know, you should understand that many of these customer service people, they actually cannot help you. They don't have the authority to waive a fee or, or to reduce a price or any of those things. And you're wasting your time if you're arguing with someone, you're trying to get a yes from someone who can't say yes. Right. So, you know, one of the first questions I try to ask as soon as I can is, you know, do you have the authority to do this? Because if you don't, I, I need to talk to someone who does. Right, right. And and try and get a manager because once you get a manager, you're probably going to, they're not going to want to have to deal with it. They're probably going to be, have the authority and want to be able to get you off the phone and say, okay, right. we'll waive this or, okay, we'll yeah, waive but- it this one time, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> that's, all you need, yeah. that's all you need because then you know the game, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, so Lloyd says we don't have a lot of time. Oh, yeah. Okay. We're getting there here. All right. Um, so what are your plans for the Red Tape Chronicles? You know, you've got some well, fabulous uh, stuff. What are you going to do with it? I, I do have uh, this new project, the Red Tape Raiders, which we uh, we just started, where I'm trying to get my readers involved in helping people problems as well. Uh, you know, there's only one of me, but there's tens of thousands of people who are mad about this stuff, and I want to try to focus their energy a little bit. Uh, I'm also uh, deep in work in my next book, which uh, actually I just handed in to my publisher about a week ago. It's probably a good six or seven months from being on the shelf. You know, that's a long process. Um, I I can't tell you what the title is yet because we haven't agreed on it. But it's basically uh, what I would say it's the antidote to gotcha capitalism. So it's just uh, gotcha capitalism. I spent a lot of time talking about the, the institutional problems of all of this. Uh, but this next book is going to be 100% solution-focused, just all sorts of uh, very specific uh, tips and tricks on how to get your way in this world, uh, because that's what, what everybody told me after the first book. All the readers who wrote to me said, you know, I thanks for raising the problem to me, but you know, we, we really just need more solutions out here. So I spent a couple of years collecting those, and uh, and hopefully they'll be uh, even more helpful when the book comes out. Well, that's good because you know what I that uh, that's what I teach. I teach conflict management. How do you you know get what you want without getting the other person hurt? And well, how do you get them to want to give you what you want? And that's what it's all about. You know, we shouldn't be fighting. We should just stop this kind of crazy greed and this deceptive practices. And uh, we look forward to hearing about that new book. We'll have to have you back on. I would love to. So why don't you give your website again so everybody can get to it? You bet. Well, the best way to find me personally is just bobsullivan.net. And the way to find my blog on on MSNBC, where I'm a columnist, it's redtape.msnbc.com. Well, thank you so much, Bob. We are so thrilled that you came back, and we'll have you for the next book real soon. All okay, right. Thanks a lot, Murray. Okay, you take care. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank, your host. And I want to thank all of our listeners for listening every week and being loyal listeners and listening to people like Bob Sullivan, who has written Gotcha Capitalism. And we want to make sure that you know that this is our very special pledge drive right now. We pledge our commitment to you to bring great public affairs music and great public affairs shows in 24-7. So please pledge your tax-deductible donation to continue this privacy piracy show. And all of our great public radio shows, call right now, 949-824-5824. That's 949-UCI-KUCI. You'll even receive a gift back from our DJs. So make that phone call, and remember when you call, mention your pledging for privacy piracy. Good night. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. Hi, I'm Mari Frank, host of Privacy Piracy, which airs every Wednesday from 5 to 6 p.m. right here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm also pleased to present the weekly segment of Orange County Sheriff News and Safety Tips. And today we are so thrilled to have Captain Dave Wilson with us. He is the Division Commander for the Orange County Sheriff's Department's Safe Division. And he's been with the department 27 years. Thank you so much for joining us, Dave. Well, thank you for having me, Maria. I appreciate the opportunity. Well, tell us, what is the Safe Division? 
The SAFE division is a new division formed at the direction of the sheriff and the undersheriff. The uh, sheriff, when she took office, had specific goals in mind for our organization, and this is one of them. And SAFE, uh, the acronym, stands for Strategy, Accountability, Focus, and Evaluation. Well, tell us, uh, what are some of your objectives? Basically, what we are is we're professional and sworn staff working together on uh, policies and procedures, compliance issues. We're also structured. Part of the organism, or the components of the division are workers' compensation, risk management, and our statistical tracking and reporting unit, uh, which is formerly a crime analysis unit, but we're going to expand their role a little bit. And as far as our objectives, we're going to review and revise as necessary our uh, policies and procedures, our rules and regulations. And the end to that is that we're going to provide enhanced accountability for all levels of our organization, of the department, both the, you know, the professional staff and the sworn staff. Just perfect quality, right? Exactly. Okay, just give the website and then we'll get you back next week. We will have a safe link fairly soon on our standard department website, which is www. Dot .ocsd.org dot and under uh, divisions you'll be able to see safe s a f e and uh, you can click on that link and see what we've got going on because we've got a few things planned. Oh, we know it's going to be great, Dave. Thank you so much. We'll have you back next week. Thank you, Mari. 